The Start Your Own Business Podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, best-selling author and host of the award-winning e-commerce master plan podcast. It is a real privilege to be part of this brand new podcast, which is packed with practical advice intended to help you to successfully set up a new business and get off to a great start. We want to help you to save time and money when starting your business and avoid some common pitfalls. This is the Start Your Own Business podcast by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses. I cannot think of two more brilliant organisations to turn to for information when starting or running your own small business. Throughout the series, we'll answer key startup questions and you'll also be able to learn from the most reliable experts of all, the people who have started their own business, people who've been there and done it. We'll bring you some great real life startup stories. In this episode, we're getting into the box ticking nitty gritty elements of starting your business. What form should your business have? Should you be a sole trader? Should you be a limited company? We'll be talking about bank accounts, accountants. Uh, What else? We're going to talk about registering with HMRC, about VAT. We're going to cover all those things, which I know many startups get very confused by, and we're going to shine a light on it all and make it really straightforward for you to deal with. Before we meet our guest and get into all of that, please do check out our sponsors. This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses. Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success in tough times. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your ambitions. FSB is proud to be the leading voice of 5.8 million small businesses and self-employed people like you across the UK, working to promote and protect your interests. With 24-7 legal support, nationwide virtual networking events, market-leading benefits and a powerful voice heard in governments, FSB are by your side so you can get it right from day one. The new Startup Hub has everything you need to know about starting a business, including business law basics, finance fundamentals and how to secure your first sale. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with FSB. Find out more and download the free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk forward slash start. It's time to introduce our startup expert, Carl Reader. Carl is a serial entrepreneur, chairman of business advisory firm D&T and author of Boss It, which is currently in the bestseller charts at WH Smith's. He features regularly in the national press and on stage globally. Carl has helped thousands of business owners either start or grow their business by helping them understand that business isn't difficult. In language, an eight-year-old can understand, which... All of that makes him an absolutely perfect guest for the Start Your Own Business podcast. Hello, Carl. Hello, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. And um, how did you, you know, you've you've clearly been having an amazing career over the last decade or so, but how did you get into working with small businesses? 
Yeah, sure. So embarrassingly, it's actually two decades now. And <laughs> it's a career choice that I completely fell into. But let me let me give you the brief summary. I left school at the age of 15. And business couldn't have been further from my mind. Um, I actually started as a YTS hairdresser. Anyway, um, went back to school, did my GCSEs after realising hairdressing wasn't for me and had to find a job to pay the bills. And just so happened that I fell into accountancy. Um, but from a different route than most people in that most people will go through A-levels and then perhaps an accounting degree to enter the profession. I entered it as a 16-year-old with very poor GCSEs. I decided fairly early on in my career that I, I really didn't want to be an accountant. However, I saw that there was something that I could add through accountancy to business owners. Um, so I, I kept going out visiting them. And over time, I realized that having visited 100, 200, 300 small businesses, I was beginning to learn a lot about how businesses work. And I was finding that I was able to answer the questions that business owners had based on the accumulated experience that I'd had with a number of other business owners. Indeed. So I guess, you know, for those listening who are, are kind of almost pre-startup people, it's worth trying to find the right accountant for you, isn't it? Absolutely right. So look, I, I've not been in practice myself, so I've not been practicing for probably 10, 15 years on the tools. Um, however, I serve the ACCA as the chair of a practitioner's panel. And I see um, quite literally the good, the bad and the ugly of um, practitioners. <laughs> they come in all different shapes and sizes. They, they offer all different services to all different types of clients. And finding that right match can be really powerful, but it does take some time. And unfortunately, you might need to kiss some frogs in that process. Yeah, so you really do have to get under the bonnet before you fully know, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, well, we, we've kind of covered accountants a little bit there. We may come back to that later. But what I think our, our audience probably most wondering about right now is how do they, how do they form a company, the legal requirements? You know, um, do, they, do they have to tell anyone they're starting a company? Sure. So I can answer that in a number of ways. But let me just begin by saying that sometimes the administration and the pain of starting a business can be something that puts people off of doing it and sometimes can be an excuse for creative avoidance. Um, so that's the phrase that I use, creative avoidance. When we find um, any excuse not to do the stuff that's important and when it comes to starting a new business, that is making sure that you've got a product or service, finding customers and selling to them. Yeah, that, that is all it takes. When it comes to the admin side of things, there is also the other risk, which is that there are a number of people out there who deliberately engineer business to be far more complicated than it is and then want to sell you an overpriced solution. But look, setting up a business is actually really simple. First of all, you need to decide whether you're going to be a sole trader, a partnership or a limited company. So you need to decide the form that your business is going to take. Um, there is a wealth of information online. I also cover it in my book, Boss It. Um, but you, know, you need to understand the core differences between those. Once you've decided, it is simply a matter of form filling, but the forms really aren't very complicated. For a limited company or any other regulated um, 
as I say, regulated separate legal um, identified business, so limited liability partnerships, community interest companies and so on, but primarily limited companies. They are registered at Companies House, which is effectively a library of all companies. So for those, you need to provide a bit more information when setting it up. And there's a fee of about £15 to get it registered. That's all it is. For a sole trader or a partnership, by law, all you need to do is report to the tax office that you've started trading. And again, that's a really simple online form. You're just declaring that you're doing this. You're providing your national insurance number. And then away you go. Now, some people will get confused and think that maybe they need to register a trademark at this point or maybe they they have to do this or that or the other. When it comes to starting a business, the bare minimum requirements are registering with a tax office and if you're a company, register in a company's house. You put that so clearly. Thank you, Carl. And um, and we'll, I think we might come back to a few to several of the points you've just raised as we go through this. But I guess that the, the key thing first off to say is that Doing these registrations is something anyone can do themselves, isn't it? It's very, very easy to register with HMRC or with Companies House. Absolutely correct. Um, they are forms that can be filled in online. And historically, you know, um, I have to say accountants, lawyers and so on would charge hundreds and hundreds of pounds for company formations and so on. This is stuff you can do online. Uh, this, yeah, this really is stuff you can do yourself. Now, it's not, not necessarily the right choice to do it online. Um, you might decide that you need some um, professional advice. For example, if you've got a complicated structure with other shareholders, I would advise that you speak to a professional first and get shareholders agreements and so on. But for a very simple new start business, which captures about 80% of businesses, you can absolutely do it yourself. And at what point do we have to tell them? Because there's, you know, it's kind of when do you say the business started? Was it when you had that idea down the pub or was it when you got the website up or was it when the first invoice came in or when you raised the first invoice? At what point are we legally bound to to do to do the HMRC registration? Let's tackle that one first. Yeah, sure. So it's always a grey area. Uh, it absolutely always is. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. Is it the moment that you was in the shower and decided, you know what, I'm going to do go go out by myself, do something? Was it the moment you met the first customer? Was it the moment you raised the first invoice? Was it three months after the event? And again, that's a very valid question that people have. And ultimately, there is a level of discretion to this. Um, you know, you clearly need to report the transactions for the whole business. However, um, HMRC also allow you to declare yourself as self-employed after the event. You are allowed to do it within the first three months. Um, so I think there's a difference between sole traders and limited companies in that a limited company cannot trade by itself before the point that it's registered at company's house. You have to think of a limited company as its own legal body. It's its own person, so far as that's concerned, and it is born on the day that it's registered. So whilst there might be um, pre-trading expenses and so on, actually the company doesn't start at the very earliest is the point that it's incorporated. When it comes to being generally self-employed as a sole trader, however, um, it might be that you accidentally fall into trading. So, for example, if you bought a car one day and fully intended it to be your personal car, was driving it around, but you got offered by somebody that they wanted to buy it from you at the end of the week for £500 more than you paid for it, and then you bought another car, 
and you happen to sell that one, you might decide that actually you want to be a car dealer. You've got a knack of finding cheap cars and selling them. And by doing it more regularly, you could replace your day job. In that kind of example, actually, the point that you started trading was quite discretionary because you didn't intend to trade start away. You started intentionally trading one or two cars in. Um, so that, that's why HMRC allows some flexibility at the point you register. Um, because there's also, Chloe, I think it's worth just mentioning at this stage, there's an allowance. And please don't grill me on the details because I don't know the, the, um, the, the details on this. But there's an allowance for micro businesses that don't need to go through the registration loopholes if they're only turning over, let's say, a thousand pounds. I believe it's a thousand pound limit for very small online traders, you know, Etsy creators and so on. Um, so wh when it comes to the point of registration, when do you have to do it by? When you are trading. It's as simple as that. But there is the understanding that there might be discretion at the point that, that a hobby or an activity turns into a trade. Got it. Carl, that, that all makes a lot of sense. So basically, HMRC, kind of within three months, but, it, but it's a grey area. But if, if you're definitely feeling like a business, you probably should have by that point registered with HMRC. And then um, on the limited company front with Companies House, we have to do that before we really get going. It's almost kind of the first thing we do on that journey. Absolutely right, Chloe. Um, what I would say is the three months is the deadline that HMRC sets for the submission of the forms. So the three months isn't a period of flexibility. It's just an amount of time for you to tidy up the admin. So the date that you start trading is a is a matter of judgment, but then you get three months after that in which to complete the admin. Excellent. Now, one thing we, we really should cover um, is the just a very brief guide to the differences between being a sole trader, an ordinary partnership or a limited company. And I've got some stats around that. So about 60% of new businesses choose to be a sole trader, 7% become an ordinary partnership and 33% become a limited company. So, Carl, is there a... Obviously, from what we've been saying so far, it's a lot easier to do the self-employed or the ordinary partnership route. So, let's start with... with um, with those two, what would, what's the difference between being self-employed and being part of an ordinary partnership? Yeah, sure. So the difference between self-employment and partnership is really simple. Is there one of you or is there two of you? Um, other than that, they're pretty much the same. A partnership would be, Chloe, if, for example, you and I decide that we're going to start a business together. Now, we might decide that we're going to be equal partners in, in all respects. So we own the business equally. We share the profits equally. We share the risks equally. We also make decisions jointly. Sometimes a partnership might be a bit more imbalanced. So it might be that I'm putting money in, you're not. So I own more of it, but we decide that actually you're putting more effort in so you have more of a profit share. And that's when there will be some complications and a partnership agreement. But fundamentally, the difference between a sole trader and a partnership is that a sole trader is all by themselves, their sole. That's probably the most straightforward answer we're getting in this entire podcast. It's the really clear one, isn't it? Self-employed, it's just you. Partnership, there's more than one of you. Um, okay, let's now tackle the slightly more complicated version of at what point does someone who's thinking of starting a business on their own or people who are start, start thinking of starting a business together decide they need to become uh, that kind of that extra level of, of of complexity that is a limited company. 
Sure. So you're absolutely right. Limited companies are more complex uh, by the very nature of the reporting that's needed. So it is a choice that people need to weigh up. Um, Why do people decide to become a limited company? First of all, I think is um, the most logical way of answering this question. Um, People might decide to become a limited company for a number of reasons. First of all, public appearance. Um, A limited company just appears more credible than a sole trader, doesn't it? Um, You know, if, if if you were to be, I, I don't know, um, finding somebody who um, was to do some work in your house, would you trust somebody who works by themselves or would you trust a registered company with their finances on public record and so on? You would probably naturally lean towards the company being more professional than the one that isn't. Secondly, And it's kind of an extension to this, um, but it's supplemented by government policy. Bigger companies don't tend to like dealing with sole traders. And that is because of the taxation issues. Um, If a company engages a self-employed person as a consultant, for example, then that company is responsible for um, the employment status of that individual. Now, there are changes due to come with this with IR35, so I will caveat that. At the point of recording, it is still the case that um, most companies that would engage a contractor would rather not deal with a sole trader. There's also the tax side of things in that historically it's been more tax efficient at a certain point in profitability to be a limited company than to be self-employed as a sole trader. So some businesses decide from a tax planning perspective to be a limited company. So they are the reasons why somebody would choose to be a limited company. Why would they not choose to be a limited company? Because of the admin, because of the financial disclosures. So your financial affairs go on public record. And as a company director, you have obligations to the company as an individual that you need to adhere to. As a sole trader, you are the business and the business is you, Um, which brings with it risks as well. Because if a sole trade business runs up debts, you run them up personally. If a limited company runs up debts, the company owns those debts. So there's a level of separation as well there. So it's a matter of choice. But fundamentally, whilst there is tax differences, whilst there is um, liability differences and so on, the reality is that the tax is heading towards equalisation. So there's no difference. The liabilities, if you're a small limited company and you're a company director, you are likely to be asked to personally guarantee most liabilities. So actually, it comes down to how professional do you want your business to be set up? Do you want it to be run as a, in inverted commas, a proper business, i.e. as a limited company? Or are you happy for it to be a self-employed trade that will not necessarily scale to the same extent, will not necessarily deal with the same level of customers and so on, but will provide you with a a perfectly fine income and way of life. Excellent answer, Carl. And um, we, I'll just quickly say, uh, Carl mentioned IR35 there. We're not getting into that in this episode, but we'll put a link to information about it in the show notes for you. But one to keep an eye on if you're going down the consultancy route, otherwise probably irrelevant for you. Um, and of course, Carl, I suppose someone who who's not sure whether they should be a, a limited company or not, they can always start off as a sole trader and become a limited company later, can't they? 
Absolutely right. And sometimes there are tax advantages to doing that. Um, you know, if you start as a trader and you believe you're going to make a loss in the early periods, there's a, a, a small tax advantage in doing that. Also, sometimes people just want to get started. And often administration and difficult decisions like this are the enemy of starting a business. I'm, I'm a real strong believer that sometimes you just need to get out there and get going. And the perceived pain of going through the process of making this decision, taking advice and registering can sometimes be quite off-putting to an entrepreneur. So actually, the most important thing when it comes to starting a business is, as I said earlier, making sure that you've got a product or service that you can sell and a customer base who want to buy it from you. The rest kind of fits around it. It's like you said earlier, Carl, it's very easy to creatively avoid getting on with actually starting the business by getting snarled up in all these things we're talking about today. So hopefully in this episode, we're helping people get through them all and get closer to, like you say, just getting going. Um, one thing which we haven't mentioned yet is VAT. Um, is We've talked about registering with HMRC from a, you know, a general tax point, but at what point should we, should we worry about VAT registration? Sure. So VAT is the sales tax, effectively, that we have in our country. It works a bit differently than a sales tax, but I don't think it's right to go into the nitty gritty of that. Um, as it stands at the moment, and I have to say as it stands, because it's a European tax and will be subject to change post-Brexit, um, you have to register when you hit a registration threshold. So that threshold, I don't know the precise number. As I say, I've, I've not dealt with the detail of this for some time, but it's around 80 odd thousand pounds when your taxable income for the business, so your sales receipts are more than that amount, you have to register for VAT. And what does registration for VAT mean? It means that you have to report to the tax office um, how much tax you've charged to your customers, so the VAT that you charge them, how much tax you are reclaiming from people that you bought stuff from, and then you pay over the difference. At the moment, it's paid over quarterly, and we're going through the process of it being reported through Making Tax Digital. Now, there's a number of schemes available for smaller businesses to make it simple as well. Things like the flat rate scheme and cash accounting schemes and so on. So there's a number of things to simplify this as much as possible. But for an average startup business, the decision that they need to make is, do I need to register for VAT from day one or do I wait until I hit that turnover level? And again, it's a matter of public perception and it's a matter of um, financial considerations as well. If your customer base are primarily businesses who can reclaim the VAT you charge, then it almost certainly makes sense for you to register from day one because the VAT that you add onto your sales isn't a cost to them because um, ultimately they can reclaim it at their end. However, if you're supplying to end consumers, so um, like myself in a personal capacity, if I was to go to a shop and, I don't know, buy my wife a birthday present, I can't reclaim the VAT on that. So VAT makes it more expensive. So that's the decision that you need to make as a business owner is financially, how does it work for you? And then commercially, how does it appear to the outside world? Would my customers expect me to be VAT registered? Would they want to perceive that I'm of that size to be VAT registered? Those are the two things that you need to consider before deciding whether to register or not as a new start. 
Excellent. And Carl, one one last kind of question of things I suspect are going through the minds of those listening is around bank accounts. So we've we've said that as a sole trader, the business is you and that as a limited company, it's a separate business. But do we need to, to open a bank account, separate one for the business in either of those instances? So you absolutely should. Um, a company has to have a separate bank account because it's its own legal entity. So it can enter into contracts, it owns its own money and it has its own debts. So a limited company absolutely has to have its own account. A sole trader really should have its own account, um, not only from a best practice perspective, but also because personal bank accounts tend to prohibit the use of them for business within the T's and C's. But please, um, Chloe, allow me to make a very strong current caveat on that. Getting a business bank account right now is really, really difficult at the time of recording. Um, It used to be easy. The bounce back loan, which was launched about 10, 11 months ago, has made it horrifically difficult to get a new business bank account. Why? Because a number of people are opening up business bank accounts to get a bounce back loan. Some of them legitimate, some of them potentially fraudulent. So whilst you absolutely should have a separate bank account, I can't guarantee that that's an easy path for people to go down as it stands, but it should get easier as months go on. Excellent, Carl. Well, that's that's bank accounts cleared up, even if they're a bit hard to get at the moment. Um, Is there... We've covered a lot of ground in this episode, but is there any other key thing we'd need to do, maybe specific to vertical, in order to be allowed to trade? So it really depends on the industry. There are a number of things. I've actually got a chapter in my book, Bosset, listing all of these things out, uh, but they're all fairly simple, things like insurances and so on. But again, that's something that people would need to do research on based on their own industry as well. Yes, we could be here for the rest of the day, couldn't we, if we tried to tackle them all? Okay, Carl, my last question for you then is, what's the key thing you'd like listeners to take away from this episode? So for me, it's the fact that this stuff doesn't have to be off-putting. It's not difficult. It can be DIY. But don't let it get in the way of actually starting your business. Um, The fundamental thing for any business is getting pounds in the bank. So deal with your admin, make sure that you get it done and dusted, but don't don't be fearful of it and don't feel like you have to outsource it to the most expensive professional. You can do this. You can indeed. Well, look, Carl, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know how they can find you and your business on the web, please? Yeah, sure. Well, the best way to find me is at Carl Reader. I'm fairly visible on most social media platforms. My book, Boss It, is available from all booksellers, um, WH Smith's, Waterstones, Blackwell's, and of course, Amazon. And the link for it is http colon forward slash forward slash Carl, C-A-R-L dot T-O forward slash book. Marvellous. We'll we'll make sure links to all that are in the show notes for the listeners. And Carl, thanks for coming on and making a whole host of of what feel like incredibly complicated, difficult areas of starting a new business makes so much sense for the listeners. We really appreciate it. Chloe, thank you so much. How clear was that advice from Carl there? 
a brilliant guide to all those tricky formation and business structure questions that can really halt you in your tracks when you're getting excited about your new business idea. So I think the key points there are, first off, that none of this is as complicated to do as it initially feels. If you follow Carl's advice and the extra resources in the show notes, you will be fine. And apart from registering with HMRC, pretty much none of this is something you can't fix or adapt later as your business changes and grows. So as Carl says, don't let it stop you from getting started. You can get the notes from this episode and links to all those juicy free resources we've mentioned at startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. And that's donut spelt D-O-N-U-T. So startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. There you will also find a wealth of advice and guides to help you launch and grow. As you know, this series is here to hold your hand through setting up and launching your new business. So next up, we're going to be chatting to a real live business person. Someone's going to be coming on and taking us through their startup story, their startup journey, how they did it, how it went and what it's led to. And whether you're listening to this episode on the first day it goes live or a year later, you can listen to that second episode right now. Yes, there is no waiting around. You can go on and listen to it right now. If you're enjoying this series, please spread the word and tell anyone else you know who's setting up a business right now. Thanks to FSB for making this whole series possible. And don't forget to download their free startup guide. Details coming in a moment. Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success in tough times. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your ambitions. The FSB Startup Hub has everything you need to know about starting a business, including business law basics, finance fundamentals, and how to secure your first sale. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with FSB. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk/start.